Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. I'm your host, Joey Held. And normally, when you're listening to the show, I'm your host. I'm the one who's interviewing a guest, bringing you all the shenanigans. I'll tell you a little silly story for like the first four or five minutes, and then I'm just letting the guests shine. I'm letting them share how they've built their brand, whether they're in music or writing or business or anything like that. I'm letting them shine. I'm letting them get the sparkle. And then I'm just chiming in with smart questions and the corny joke to wrap up the episode. But this episode, we're flipping the script a little bit. We've got new episodes of Good People, Cool Things starting next week, October 4th. How are we at October already? I do not know. I've seen pumpkin spice everywhere, but I haven't seen any pumpkin decor yet. So I'm sure that will be changing in the next coming days as we actually get into October. But in the meantime, I wanted to mix things up. Last year, I was on a podcast called More Than Work, a podcast reminding you that your self-worth is made up of more than your job title. I had a great time. I think it's a wonderful show. Rabia, the host, does a wonderful job. She works in IT, performs stand-up comedy, writes volunteers, podcasts. She's got a lot going on besides just her day job, and that's the spirit of the show. And as someone with anywhere between five and 92 different side hustles, and side projects, and even just hobbies at a given time, I thought it would be wonderful to come on as a guest on the show. And I had a lovely time. This was shortly after I had attended the LA Times Festival of Books. I met Max Greenfield. I gave him a copy of my book. I said, hey, this is like if New Girl Characters wrote a book of short stories, he signed my book, which is his own book, which is I don't want to read this book. It's a children's book. Very delightful. His autograph was a smiley face, which I feel like pretty easy to knock off. You could just have someone else do a smiley face, but hey, I'm sure with a long line of people, that made sense at the time. So let me know how I did as a guest on this show. Normally, I'm host, as I said, but this time we're mixing it up a little bit. Also, one other thing that I want you to do. I want you to do it right now. Pause this podcast. Go to funfactfriday.substack.com. Sign up for my newsletter. I have a newsletter of fun facts every Friday. It's one fact sent to your inbox. It's designed to be quick. You get on with your day. We've learned how Maine is the only state that has one syllable. We've learned how in Sweden, it's illegal to have just one guinea pig as a pet because they're pack animals. So you need two different pack animals. Pretty recently, we learned NFL season, college football started back up. The most common football score is 20 to 17. It's happened a lot of times in the NFL. There's all kinds of goodies in there, and you can get it too. You sign up at funfactfriday.substack.com, and in one week, we will have new episodes of Good People, Cool Things. In the meantime, here's me being the conversee, being the interviewee on the More Than Work podcast with Rabia. Let's kick it. This is More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is made up of more than your job title. Each week, I'll talk to a guest about how they discovered that for themselves. You'll hear about what they did, what they're doing, and who they are. I'm your host, Rabia. I work in IT, perform stand-up comedy, write, volunteer, and, of course, podcast. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back this week. I skipped a week last week and didn't say anything. I just kind of needed a break, and, and so I took it. I think in the spirit of more than work, that's 
perfectly okay. I have heard from a lot of people that not just me, but others are really kind of overwhelmed lately and busy. And I think a lot of kids are out of school now. So parents are doing other things. And for me, it's just kind of comedy is busier and works busier and personal life's busier and all good things. But, you know, sometimes you don't have time to do those, those things like edit a podcast, for example. I am glad I, I did this week, though, because my guest, Joey Held, he's a fellow Squadcaster. That's where I record my podcast. I've said that before. And I, you're going to like it because the guy is just so chill and so positive, but also realistic. And those are kind of qualities that I really like and aspire to as well. So he does marketing, he's written a book, and we're just going to get into all that. And I'm going to leave it short because I just think at this point, I'd rather you hear the interview than hear me uh, prattle on about how busy I am, which isn't that fun to listen to, I'm sure. So um, I look forward to the next few interviews I'm going to be sharing with you as well. I've gotten a few more in the can, so to speak, and a lot of editing to do, and I'm excited to share with you. Also, if you are in London... I am doing my fringe Camden Fringe show from um, on the 7th, 9th, and 17th of August. And I'll be up in Edinburgh for Fringe doing some open spots and seeing friends from the 11th through 16th of August. So if you happen to be in London and listening to this or up in Edinburgh, I don't know how many listeners I have there. It'd be great to see you. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, the guest today is Joey Held. He is a writer and podcaster and actually a squadcaster, that's how I met him, is via Squadcast. So thanks for being on, Joey. Absolutely, Ravia. Thanks for having me. And yes, yeah, shout out to Squadcast. Yeah, exactly. That's how we that's how we met and got introduced to each other's shows and each other. So where am I talking to you from today? I am in Austin, Texas. Very nice. exciting. It was uh, pouring rain earlier in the week to the point of many flights were getting delayed. And now it's nice and sunny outside. Austin tends to have very interesting weather. I lived in Dallas for a couple of years and I got to Austin kind of frequently because I think the place that was most closely aligned with me in Texas was Austin. So I kind of got out of Dallas whenever I could. Probably a good move. <laughs> yeah, but the weather is something. I was there in November last year and it was still warm. I mean, it was kind of unbearable in a way because I was coming from London where it never got that warm for two years it's pretty it's pretty wild i always like the the people who come i actually just saw an instagram reel about this of the people who come to austin and decide to move here for the vibes and then (laughs) they haven't experienced a summer yet because an austin summer Mm -hmm. is just i you know i've lived in some some places with hot weather i went to school at miami so uh, i'm used to some you know hot and humid weather but it's it's something else here it's a very dry just in your face heat yeah, I don't think vibes even know what to do in that heat, right? <laughs> no, they just melt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, nope, our vibe is puddle. Um, <laughs> yeah, so first of all, you're a writer, and I'll just jump into talking about your book, because you said we, before we were chatting that you were just at the LA Times Book Festival, right? So yes. can you talk a little bit about that experience and then also your book? Yeah, the LA Times Festival of Books. First time they had it uh, in three years since you know wow. little, little COVID uh, came through and ruined lots of in-person events. Um, and it was I was honestly surprised at how packed it was. It was I think they had estimated uh, in 2019 that they had about 150,000 people, and I would guess it was probably around the same over the weekend. So it was a Saturday and wow. Sunday event. And uh, I was there with a couple other 
fellow writers. We're peddling our wares. My book is called Kind But Kind of Weird, short stories on life's relationships. I like to equate it to, um, and I've, I've had a couple people tell me this, so I guess I could say people say, even though it's probably like yeah. two to three people, um, that it's as if the characters of the show New Girl wrote a collection of short stories. And wouldn't you know it, at the LA Times Festival of Books, right on the main stage, which was within, within eye shot of our booth, Max Greenfield, who played Schmidt on New Girl, yeah. was giving a presentation. So I was like, okay, I probably should go say hello. And I had a copy of my book with me, and I bought a copy of his book which was a, it's a kid's book that's called i don't want to read this book he did the whole reading of it presentation it was very entertaining yeah. and then i you know i was in the the signing line and just kind of said like hey this book i people have told me it's like if new girl characters wrote a book he you know he congratulated me he was very nice and then i was just like do you want a copy and he was like sure <laughs> i'll take one so uh, it could have ended up in a trash can immediately afterwards yeah. but i uh, at least while i was there he he was very nice about it <laughs> yeah he took the book i had never really been at like an exhibit sort of booth like mm -hmm. that like i did i did a launch event for my book but that was like people were there to support me like it wasn't you know yeah i, I don't know what the total amount was but our booth number was 964 so and wow. you know math logic that makes it seem like there's at least 965 booths because our neighbor was 965 so i just to see like you know people are walking by and some people will walk up but sometimes you got to kind of like yell at them and i felt sort of uh, car salesman-y sometimes mm -hmm. but i found an effective tactic just yelling out what's on people's shirts or if they're carrying a bag <laughs> or hat or something just like commenting on that and then they'd at least kind of come over and you know it didn't always result in in a sale or them even like picking up a book but you'd have a fun little conversation for a couple minutes and in yeah. eight hour days it's very nice to have that to uh, yeah, break like up some of the the chaos <laughs> Yeah, just have some micro interactions that can kind yeah. of, yeah, add up to a full day. Um, so with your book, it's a collection of short stories, correct? Yeah. Are they all f fiction, all nonfiction, a mix? It's a mix. They're largely fiction, but with elements of nonfiction in them. So mm -hmm. a, a lot of times people will ask, you know, what are people I know? I should say, or it's like, oh, are any of the characters based off of me? And I like mm -hmm. to tell them whoever your least favorite character is. I had you in mind for that, just to to keep their ego in check a little bit. But uh, they, I would say for the most part, they're like none of the characters are a hundred percent based off someone I know. Like it's it's taking bits and pieces of either people I've come across or people that I like have you know created in my head. There's one story in there in particular where a character gets a detention for asking for a pizza party in his Spanish class. And that really happened to me. Uh, it's the only <laughs> detention I ever got in high school was for asking for a pizza party. And the teacher, I guess, had had enough. Although she did promise one. I'm, I'm not bitter. It's, you know, it's yeah. more than a decade later. It was two did decades you, later, goodness. But Did you ask in Spanish or did you? Yes. So the this will be the the you know, too long, didn't read version. Basically, she promised us a pizza party if the class collectively got a 90 on a test and we got a 91. So all of us were, were like, let's get a pizza party. But apparently myself and two other people were like the ringleaders. So we got detentions. Everyone else got off scot-free. And I swear she said, and again, this is in Spanish, so I maybe misunderstood something, but I am like 99% certain she said, if you, if you ask again, I will give you a detention. So I just didn't talk the rest of the class because I didn't want it to be misconstrued. Uh, and then she just still came up and was like, detencione. I was like, great. <laughs> that's, that's funny. I actually, Spanish class is the class I got in trouble to. It, <laughs> what or, did you do? Um, well, I'll tell you. I mean, it's, I got in trouble for talking during one of them. 
But I wasn't the one talking. That was the weird thing. It was the person in front of me. And she kept mocking everybody during their dialogue. Like, we'd have to do the dialogue. So you have to do that where you had to have a script but say it in Spanish and conjugate a verb or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they made us do that, right? And so she kept mocking everyone. And he kept thinking it was me, which even at that age, my voice was deeper than the other girls' voices for sure. And it was not me. And she ended up being drunk, basically. And so, but he kicked me out because he called me a revolutionary leader Ooh. and he kicked me out. And then the, the people in the office thought it was so funny that they did make me do detention. And I was like, I didn't do anything and they didn't care. And so, yeah, it was, I mean, I was a smart ass for sure. hundred percent. Um, you know, like we would just use the same script and a different verb until one day it didn't make sense. And the teacher caught us like after four <laughs> weeks, but you know, so yeah, so Spanish class is a tough one. I mean, you can get really get in trouble in that one i guess if you're otherwise a good kid right so yeah it's wild it's wild what what you can't get away with in spanish (laughs) (laughs) exactly so with your book how did you decide that you were going to take it and just put a collection together versus have your individual story stand on their own or even write like a longer form novel what was the idea that or what gave you the idea to write the book the way you did well, I've always enjoyed writing and had just kind of had a collection of short stories. And I actually released a few of them uh, pre-giving it the final edit that they got on uh, Wattpad, which is I haven't haven't poked around too much lately, but it was a really a really fun little uh, platform where you could share stories, and a lot of people do kind of like serial serialized test runs on there of, of stories they're maybe thinking about doing, or mm-hmm. they're just like, hey, I have like a a three part you know 10 page each story and you can release them in chapters like that so that was a a nice way to just kind of get some initial feedback on Mm -hmm. things like that and i just there's probably about four or five of those stories that the core of those stories ended up in this collection as well um just based off of like hey people seem to enjoy reading them Uh, and and they still kind of fit the overall theme of relationships which does not mean romantic it can be you know a father Mm -hmm. and son or a or like within, you know, a class of high school students or things like that. I think it just got to a point where I had enough of them where I was like, I should do something with these. Mm-hmm. Like I had, I had only released maybe like four or five of them, but I had written, I think it was, I think it was 42 was the final number I had. And I parsed that down a little bit because a few, I was like, ah, this is either, you know, too, too dark for the the rest of the book. Yeah. And there's like a couple stories that people have been like, Oh, that was like a little creepy. Uh, but I, I think they still fit the overall sort of like quirkiness uh, element that mm-hmm. I'm going for. And it, it kind of was just at a point where I was like, Hey, I should do something with these because I've written a lot of them and I think people might enjoy reading them. And so yeah. I reached out to some agents and publishers, but if, if you know, anyone listening out there has ever done that, with a collection of short stories, you're you're basically told like, no, these don't sell. I don't want this. If you have another right. novel that you can attach it onto, and I was like, well, writing this one was was time consuming enough. So let's let's focus on that yeah. one first, and then we'll we'll come back with a, a longer form novel. Um, and then so just went into the process of getting it out into the world myself. And uh, nice. there's a lot that goes into putting a book together. So I, I am glad I had some helpful people along the way. Yeah. So, yeah, so self-publishing. I interviewed, there was a recent episode I had um, with a, Kevin G. Chapman. He's an author. He's a lawyer, and he also writes um, He writes crime fiction. But he was saying that when he wrote his first book, it was probably 20 years ago, I guess, if I am doing any kind of math right now. 
but there was no idea of doing this kind of publishing, right? And there was no Amazon, there was no Kindle, there's nothing, none of that, certainly. But then also the self-publishing kind of that we have now wasn't occurring. So he took a long time to get this first one published, but then he mentioned a similar thing about how, like, in his case, he said if there's a series, they don't want that, they want something new. And it sounds like for you, too, it's like, okay, you have these short stories, but we want something else. And yeah. so just... Did you have any doubt at any point, or did you just say, this is what I want to do, so I'm going to... I hear what you're saying, but I'm still going to do it. Like, how did that work for you? Because I think that has to be hard just to kind of hear rejection a certain number of times. Yeah, I think... um, Well, in some cases, you don't hear anything. So it's just... You just submit it, and you get nothing back, which might even be worse. I think it was nicer to hear that it's like, oh, okay, you actually took the time to read this. Um, I mean, I think there's always doubt whenever you're releasing something into the world or considering it. But I think, you know, I had, I had shared with other people and, and in some cases it, it wasn't like friends or family. It was, you know, like strangers in a writing group or something. And I think there was enough enjoyment on it. But also part of it was just like, I would like to share these. And I know, you know, there's nothing that 100 percent of people like maybe the show Dairy Girls for everyone, like everyone I've mentioned to who's seen it says I love that show. So maybe that's the one exception. But outside of that, like not everyone's going to enjoy these books. And even just finding people that like would uh, even consider short story collections, I feel like was more of a a hunt than I think it had Mm -hmm. it been like a sci-fi or a, a mystery or thriller or something like that. And so I don't think there was any sort of uh, hesitation or or nerves, I guess, but it was more just like, okay, how can I pivot this to keep it going? And I think, you know, self-publishing, I think, has uh, a bit of a bad rap because of how many bad self-published books there are out there. It's people yeah. who don't don't even proofread at, at all. Um, you know, I had multiple editors for this. I had an actual design uh, team that was helping with the both the formatting of the book and the cover and all kinds of like other, you know, sort of creative and marketing elements for it. And I think mm-hmm. I, I think more people are doing that now that it's, um, you know, getting rid of that stigma a little bit. But there's definitely mm-hmm. still books. And, and I even saw it at the L.A. Festival or L.A. Times Festival of Books. So, a you know, a world renowned, world renowned, country renowned, at least festival where it's a lot of people. And there mm-hmm. were definitely a few books that were clearly not very well edited uh, that I, you know, I would just page through at a a booth or something. And I was just like, oh, this is, you know, an 800 page book about guitar strings. And that probably could have been parsed down a little bit. So it's uh, just a just a reminder in general to edit your work. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I'm one of those people who has been called various names just regarding grammar or punctuation or Whatever, and I don't really mind because it's like, well, so I care about <laughs> the quality of writing, and you don't. That's what you're saying, and you're <laughs> criticizing me for it, right? But it is important because someone's going to be reading that, and I feel like it's the same with like podcasting, and we'll talk about your podcast in a bit, but you know, it's our responsibility to put something out that's pleasant to listen to rather than say, oh, you know, I'm standing on the side of the road creating a podcast. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I had a guest one time who her Wi-Fi was spotty at her house. So she's like, oh, I'm taking this call from a restaurant. And there was like a server taking her order while we were recording. (laughs) I was like, this this doesn't work. I'm like, I thought you had like a quiet room within the restaurant, Mm -hmm. but you're literally out. So then I, we got her to move to her car and it came out fine. But (laughs) don't, yes, don't, if you're doing a recording, please... 
please try to avoid yeah. like, subways or restaurants or things like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to it seems fine to you. It's very hard to listen to. Uh, so as far as the writing too, you do you have a newsletter as well called Chris Bounce Pass that you write, and that's a different style of writing, I guess. So what brought about you creating a newsletter? Well, I know a lot of people have pandemic hobbies that they started. You know, bread making was a big one right when we all we all first started. I my two hobbies were I bought a putting green and I uh, started a newsletter. When the pandemic started, sports all disappeared. So Chris Bounce Pass mm-hmm. is I like to say it's a look at the lighter side of basketball uh, and pop culture and kind of the intersection between them because I think more than any other sport, basketball just has so many different pop culture elements to it. You know, players are wearing their fashion. Um, There's so much hip hop and rap crossover. A lot of players Mm -hmm. even are rappers and have their own albums, even good ones, not just like Shaq's Shaq's rap rap album, which is is fine. It's fine. Um, And there's just, I think there's just so many interesting elements to it, but there's a lot, I mean, a lot of like sports talk shows, it's just people like rattling off stats or, you know, like the NFL draft happened last night as we're recording this. And it's like immediately players are being graded. I'm like, these people are mm. 21 years old. And you're like, nope, that was yeah. a terrible pick. He hasn't played a single down of football, but terrible pick. And here's why. And it's just like, mm, there's, I think there's more fun parts of sports to talk about. Um, so yeah. it's a nice... I started it, uh, I think, just because I was kind of missing sports, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. but I also just wanted another sort of uh, creative outlet for writing. And uh, I mentioned the putting green. That I don't know where that is. That's somehow that's gotten lost somewhere in my house. So I've not kept up with that as well. But the newsletter still going strong. Had uh, yeah. issue one seventy eight go out today, and I kind of was like, dang. That's a lot. That's a lot of writing. That is a lot. And it's uh, it's been a blast. And I'll I'll get emails from people who, some of them I know, some of them are, are strangers outside of the newsletter, but I'm just like, it's so cool to, to get that feedback of like, people are reading mm-hmm. this. Sometimes they'll even add to the story. They're like, oh, hey, here's this other cool thing that I thought was was fun. And, and I have included one of those in a future issue, one of, one of those uh, extra stories. And I gave the shout yeah. out and I was like, thank you for making me do less work because <laughs> you just read all of this. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I did see I was scrolling through and checking out some old. So just so people know, they can find your the archives there. Anyone who's into basketball or even just wants to read something entertaining and learn about basketball. Um, but I was looking through some of your the archive and I also saw how many you had and it was really impressive. So as far as writing, did you major in that in school or how did you get into being a writer? I well, I majored in broadcast journalism. Um so there's mm-hmm. definitely writing elements to it. Yeah. Uh you know, you're writing voiceover or just kind of the the basis for your stories and there's certainly especially nowadays there's like so much crossover between you'll have a video and then you'll also have like the a, a written article that goes along with it. Um, but writing has just been something I've always enjoyed. I was just like a, mm-hmm. you know, a fun hobby I picked up as a kid. The first book I ever, first book I ever wrote was a, a reading, writing assignment in second grade. I want to say this is, this is what I consider my first published work. Um, it was basically the plot of Space Jam, but it was my my childhood friends and i i had to take on some i think they were sewer monsters and we had to beat them in a basketball game just to rescue the chicago bulls it wasn't even like i think in space jam there's a little bit more at stake like the enslavement of 
humankind, or at least Michael Jordan. Um, but for us, it was just the the Bulls were you know locked in a room somewhere, and then we beat them at yeah. basketball. We were able to get them out because I grew up in Chicago, so a big Bulls fan. Uh, so a vital part of the plot there, and it was a, a you know a picture book. So my crude drawings go along with it, mm-hmm. but. We did the whole like kind of laminated and put it in that, you know, the little like binding yep. that you'd use to make any sort of presentation look way fancier than it was. That was yeah. a, a key component to that. And I got an A on it. So I was like, hey, maybe this this writing thing could pay off. <laughs> That's super. But now you're in marketing also, right, as your career. And yes. so I, I just switched to marketing about six months ago, which has been quite a learning experience, I'll tell you, coming from project management but part of the reason was because i can write and they wanted that but how does the writing play into your role in marketing and and then how does it contribute to what you're doing i mean it sounds like even your knowledge of in that space generally helped you put out a better quality book than you might have if you didn't have that knowledge oh absolutely and i think the the company i'm at is a communications agency so it's a full you know, a full scope type of thing. It's not mm-hmm. just PR. It's not just digital or content. Um, it's it's the whole whole shebang. And I think for the book, that definitely helped in that it was more of a holistic process of like, hey, I, I hate saying holistic, but that just came out. Um, but it was more like, okay. you know, an overview. It wasn't just like, hey, I'm just going to pitch my book to like three people and that's it. It was, mm-hmm. it was going on to podcasts. It was uh, creating kind of articles and like in the newsletter, yeah. there's throwing in a story about uh, basketball, which is in the book, uh, and and having that sort of like cross-promotional side of things. Um, yeah. So, yes, it definitely helps uh, having a background in marketing and PR. But you also, like with the book, it was also kind of a fun little playground for things because as much as I'd like to think I'm an expert at stuff, the yeah. way, especially on social media, like the way these platforms just change so rapidly... Uh, mm-hmm. And will you know something that worked yesterday suddenly doesn't work because it's trying That's to true. be more like TikTok or whatever <laughs> you know whatever the case is, and you you just have to be able to adapt to it. And I think a lot of it is kind of experimenting and being like, hey, I think this will work, but then keeping an eye on it. And if it's not working, then to change it to something that hopefully is doing better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think writing in general is just so important for any profession, really, like to be able to write even if you're just emailing between people, like even if it's never going outside of company walls, like to be able to succinctly communicate what mm-hmm. you need and what, what needs to happen to get your job done, I think is, is so important. And not everyone has that skill. So it's a, it's a good thing to practice. Yeah. Well, yeah. And to that point, I think just, there's a couple things that I've noticed and that I've been better at. One thing is just paring things down to like, really, what do I need to say? And also being direct, because I think what I see a lot of people do is, and I, it's funny because I'm working in England, so, and I work with the people internationally, but they communicate very differently here than they do in the States. And they're much more passive. But to me, you're not, I'm not even ever clear on what people are asking for sometimes. I'm like, well, do you asking a question? Or are you just making a statement? I'm not sure. And I just find like knowing how to clearly communicate in a very succinct way, not how I talk, but how I write, because <laughs> I don't talk very succinctly, um, is, is super important, you know, because you can save a lot of hassle. You can save a lot of back and forth. You can avoid arguments. I think one thing that happens, especially in the corporate space, is people don't read things as they were intended to be 
consumed. And so you have to be very careful to write things so that they will be read that way. And it's, it's tough. I don't know. I find it difficult. Oh, absolutely. And I always enjoy, enjoy is probably the wrong word, but I always find it interesting when Mm -hmm. like I'll read something one way and then someone else will read it a completely different way. And they'll be Mm -hmm. like, are they mad at us? And I was like, I don't get that. But then I'm like, well, are they? I'm like, but yeah. I, I have the the whole revision uh, in my head where I was like, oh, maybe I just over overthought that whole thing. But mm-hmm. do you have a, a favorite email ism that you like a, a term like you only really use in emails, but you you use it pretty regularly? Oh yeah, and I, it's one I'm trying to stop because I don't want to always do that. I'll say I am just writing to follow up Ooh. on. <laughs> Because I feel like I have to seed it some way, like, oh, I'm just asking this, and I'm trying to be very bashful about it, rather than just say, hey, do you do you have a response on this or yeah. something? You know, and just like the I hope you're well also at the start. I don't, I don't. I mean, I hope they are, but it's also, I'm not asking how they are. I'm not going to ever do that. Yeah. They're not going to ask me how I am. And so, but those two are the ones where I'm like... I want to fix them so I can just be more direct. And then it seems less passive. It sounds passive aggressive at some point, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. What about you? I think I'm I'm along the same line of like, oh, just wanted to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I'm just asking this question. I didn't want to do this. Mm-hmm. If I, you know, if you would answered that I, I wouldn't yeah. have had to, to do this. So I don't enjoy that I'm yeah. doing it, but I still write it like <laughs> that. Um, and I always, I always say I want to sign off. I, you know, people will do like sincerely best cheers, whatever. I always want to yeah. sign off tepid regards if I'm like kind of irritated <laughs> at the person, but I've never, I've never pulled the trigger on that. <laughs> no. I mean, sometimes you can just do like the dash and your name. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. That's when it's, that's when, you know, you're a little, little irritated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the use of an exclamation mark after hello kind of starts it off like, hello, mm. like I'm not mad at you, but boom. <laughs> Thanks. But I could be. <laughs> yeah. So I think thanks for the exclamation mark, too. I always read that as, hmm, they're not happy, but they're trying to make sure they end on a high note, you know? I like that. I like that. (laughs) But, you know, it is what it's just it is tough. Um, So you you do enjoy your work, though, that you do. I do. Marketing. I do. Yeah. And how do you balance kind of, I guess, doing that job? Because I know, I mean, I don't it depends on what you're doing at the time, but it can be really busy when especially when you're working with clients. How do you balance that with then kind of your own writing? And do you ever get fatigued at one and find one brings you energy? Or do you just have to stop on both all sides, like your personal and your... Well, your professional is hard to stop because <laughs> you can't get... Because there are consequences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you ever just stop doing your job? No, I'm just kidding. But... Just for, just but for yeah, hours how does at it... a time. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. How does it impact each other, though? Do you, do you find there's any relation between them? Or are you able to separate things? I, I think there is relation sometimes. And I've actually had a couple of occasions where someone that I have met through my job ends up, you know, going to a different company and like a completely different field and reaches out and is like, hey, like I liked interacting with you and I have mm-hmm. some writing work, you know, would you want to work together? And I think that's always, again, just like speaks to the power of really just being nice to people. Yes. Like our our company motto is good work with good people makes for a good life. And it's super simple, but it's so impactful. Like if you're working with someone that you don't enjoy, or even I would say just hanging out with someone that you don't like being around, like it does bring your whole, your whole energy and your whole vibe down. And I think that 
is something that you never want to have happen, but it probably is going to happen at some point. So yeah, certainly in both cases, I would say I've gotten, you know, I've hit, hit a wall or I'm like, I just don't know how to, like I've started writing something and I just don't know how to, how to bring it home. So usually I like to just, you know, get up and walk away and, and just mm-hmm. kind of go for a walk. I've got two dogs, you know, just, just scratching a puppy's belly for like five minutes makes all, all problems melt away. And uh, really, it really does kind of like re-energize me. Um, and so sometimes I can go right back to whatever I was working on. But sometimes it's just like, hey, you know, I'm not feeling it right now, but there's enough to work on. And, and with my day job of uh, working at an agency, there's enough clients that I, you mm-hmm. know, it's not just like, oh, this one client is, I mean, I like all the clients I work with, but hypothetically, like this client's being the worst client I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. If, if I, that was the only client I worked with, then it would be like, oh, I don't, oh, yeah. I might, you know, it might take a little longer to kind of get back in the swing of things, but there's enough to, to shift focus to that. Even if I am feeling, you know, kind of struggling or burnt out on one thing that there's something else I can turn to. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I know what you mean. It's fine. It, it's good. I think just getting up and giving yourself space for a minute because everyone runs into that where they just mm. need a, a moment, right? A break. So, and then you come back and do, do work or just do something else. I, so I was looking at time management stuff and just how like you should knock out the most difficult task first. Cause a lot of people will try to do all the small tasks first and just have wins and cross stuff off. But then they're usually doing a bunch of unimportant things and not doing the one that's really important and going to be a burden. And so I've been trying that strategy, not very successfully, but I also think there's something to be said to maybe doing that, but then doing the small things in between to, you know, get through blocks. But it's, it's funny when you look up time management, cause some people just say these obvious <laughs> things, you know, and you're like, yeah, I've done that. It's almost like get mad at Google. Like, yeah, Google, I know I've done that. <laughs> I'm looking for something real, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, I always like, I mean, I've never been a big, you know, I, like a lot of people have like their morning routines. And I, I would say, I guess I mostly make coffee and that's like the the biggest part of the routine. But sometimes I'll, I'll have like a crazy long list of stuff mm-hmm. and it's like, it is nice to cross something off, but then I'll think of something else. I'm like, okay, I got to add that on. So the list is never fully, fully done. No. Um, even if it's just like, hey, do laundry. Like, look at the hamper. Just look at it. Look at how tall it's stacked. And I was like, oh, that should be something I could, like, easily solve. And sometimes I'll still be like, nah, I'll do this other thing instead. So I I applaud people that can have a routine, um, but it's just not for me. Yeah, I'm not not one of those either. With laundry, I get annoyed because I'm always wearing something. So it's never done, you know? (laughs) It's just never complete. And I've tried the whole thing where, oh, maybe I'll get everything done. But it's like I always have to put something on. So it just it ruins the whole thing. Laundry is <laughs> it's defeatist, you know. Um, <laughs> so you also have a podcast. Good people. Cool things. I get what that is. But tell tell the listeners what what is your podcast? Yeah, it's uh, an interview style podcast where I speak to good people go- doing cool things. No, I'll do. I'll give more than that. Uh, so it's it's <laughs> conversations with people who have either started their own business or are musicians or authors. And the overall goal of it is that they will inspire you, whoever is listening, to do your own cool thing, your own creative yep. project. Not necessarily start a business, but you certainly can. I'm not going to stop you. I think that's awesome. Um, and it's just, honestly, it's been just like a fantastic way to meet new people from all mm-hmm. over the world and just see 
what they are doing. And like there's things I've learned about that I would have never, you know, never thought was a profession. There's a fire breathing sushi chef. I got to interview the creator of Taboo and Outburst uh, and, and mm. a whole host of other board games like that. And I always ask musicians, this is probably my favorite question, is just to tell me about their worst gig that they've ever played. I, I'll, give, I'll give one quick shout out to uh, David Chabani, who's an Austin-based rapper. His worst gig, he was at a bar where it was one other person and the bartender maybe one friend there, but they were playing uh, Fast and Furious 2, Too Fast, Too <laughs> Furious, on uh, on a TV on the stage, like while he was singing. So yeah. he was like, even sometimes I was like taking a break to like look and be like, oh, yeah. that's a good scene. So, um, but even out of that, the one person who was there who he didn't know came up to him afterwards and he was like, hey, can I buy a CD? Like, I really enjoyed that. And so it's, nice. uh, it's always got kind of like an inspirational slant to it because usually... Yeah in the moment, whatever your worst gig or your worst project, whatever it is, is usually terrible. But then afterwards makes for a great story. You can go back yeah. and laugh at it or just be sad about it for all time. But usually yeah. most people re- like look back with fondness on it. <laughs> yeah, you move on. I mean, I do, I do stand up and stand up comedy. And so that gig you're describing, I've definitely been to those kind because sometimes these promoters will have the uh, most of the gigs that I do are in a pub because I'm open mic level, but they'll have it in the room, like in the pub. They're not going to have it in some room on the side or upstairs or something or in a basement, which is always a little creepy to go into, but they just have it in the pub and the people there don't want it. They do not want to hear your jokes at all. They yeah. just want to be in the pub. And so that's like always the most difficult gig because like one I did where the people were just talking right in front of me and I couldn't <laughs> and there was no way and they weren't going to listen to me but I couldn't get them out of my eyesight so I totally understand like having a film playing or whatever it's just like oh but you just kind of you know you do move on I mean there's nothing you can do but I can't I don't know performing music I find that terrifying just I can't sing anyway or rap but um I don't I guess you just would kind of like yeah okay yeah. You guys are talking. It's that's funny though to have a film playing in the background. Oh yeah. Like, hey. It's it's out of control. And I would Ugh. think like at least cuz yeah, cuz that was that wasn't even just like, hey, we're just throwing you in the middle of things. Like that was like a set show that people presumably <laughs> paid money to go see and they're just like, "No, nah, it's Let's give, uh, I was going to say, let's give Vin Diesel, but I don't think he's in that one, so we'll give the Rock I don't, and yeah. Tyrese some screen time." <laughs> I might be mixing up my Fast and Furious movies. My apologies. <laughs> I yeah, I have no idea. I mean, well, there are eight of them. So you, if you name a certain like type of actor, they're probably going to have been in one of them. That's so true. You're yeah, pretty. You're pretty safe. Yeah, you don't or remember George Clooney's brief appearance in in Fast Four. <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't know. So actually, that would be reason to watch. <laughs> um, what has been, I guess, the most surprising thing to you about? having the podcast though i mean i because i think ours are they're similar but in a way like just um a bit different subject but similar idea to inspire people to do to do things with other than just what you know maybe what they're doing at the time but what's been the biggest like most surprising thing to you that you've learned either about yourself or just about someone else well, if this were the first ever podcast I were doing, I'd say the amount of time it takes, because I think that mm. does surprise a lot of people. Or I should say the amount of time it takes to make a good podcast. Uh, and, yeah. and one, again, we go back to editing. If it's just like a four hour riff of you and your bros talking about the latest <laughs> Joe Rogan podcast, uh, <laughs> maybe there's an audience for that, but it's, it's certainly not mine. 
my uh, no. eyes would not be on that. My eyes or ears. Um, I think no. for this one, though, it's just like how invigorating it is to do. Like, there's definitely been times where I have a recording set up and it's, you know, maybe been a long day or I have something else that I would like to mm-hmm. be doing or, or have to do. And I'll go into the recording and it's just always I come out of it feeling in a better mood than when I started. And I'm sure at yeah. some point I'll have even even the guest that was recording from the restaurant initially. Yeah, we you know got her in the car and it turned into a great conversation. Um, so sometimes it's just, you know, it, it is people's first appearance on a podcast where they haven't done it a lot and they don't mm-hmm. necessarily understand the audio engineering because their exposure to podcasts, if any, is you know, yeah. like a Conan O'Brien needs a friend where listen to those credits. There's like 14 people that work on the show. Like there's a lot that goes into it. And I think for most podcasters, it's it's just us. You know, it's just us doing all of these things. Yeah. And I'd like to think my broadcast journalism career and working in radio while at college was, you know, led me up to at least be competent of what audio should sound like. But there's definitely <laughs> things where I'm like, I can't remove this, you know, the screeching tires because you're recording from the set of Fast and the Furious 15. I, I don't know what yeah. the pun would be for 15, 15 <laughs> but just like Quinceanera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I want that to happen. It's Vin Diesel's <laughs> daughter has the quinceanera, but a car drives the, ah, we, we got to write, we got to write a fast and furious, make a cool quarter billion of dollars. <laughs> exactly. Then, then we can hire people to help with our podcast. <laughs> yeah. We can get editors. <laughs> <laughs> it's the dream, the dream. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the time it takes, and especially just with, well, yeah, editing. Editing takes a while. So we've talked about a couple things that could be construed as advice, but do you have any advice or mantra that you want to share with listeners just that you kind of follow or that you like to impart for this kind of podcast? Yeah. When you are talking with people, listen to what they're saying. I feel like I see so many conversations and have participated in some where someone asks me a question and then I start answering and I can see like their eyes wandering or maybe they like pull out their phone and they're kind of glancing through and like passively listening. And I mean, maybe they're great at that. But to me, that just shows like a complete lack of interest. And it's like you're only just kind of going through the motions here. Or uh, when I lived in L.A., I'd get this a lot of like people would initially or uh, learn that I did not have any kind of connections in the movie mm-hmm. industry for them. And they were aspiring actors. So they were like, all right, well, I'm going to stop talking with you then. But I think like everyone has interesting things going on with them. Mm-hmm. And I think if you are genuinely curious and ask about it, like it can lead to some, some good things for you down the road. And if not, then you had mm-hmm. an entertaining conversation. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. And one thing along those lines that I've just started to do at work is if I have a call with someone and I don't need to be at my computer, like it's not a video call or it's not a call where I'm, you know, sharing something or whatever, I'll just take the call on my phone and Mm -hmm. get up from my desk because otherwise I'm definitely one of the people who will be, I mean, right now when I'm talking to you, I have my other monitor because I can look at my notes, which I assume you know, but like, (laughs) because no, I've been offended this entire discussion. I'm sorry. Oh, great. (laughs) But, um, yeah, is the, oh, is this is this am I this character? But I'm just kidding. but um <laughs> this is just it's just but, a subtle dig at you. <laughs> I hope you're well. But the thing is, like, so I will do that. I mean, that's just I guess I'll just tagging onto your advice. Like, I'll just kind of get up and have Teams on my phone just so I'm not looking at the computer because I, you can tell too when someone is talking to you, even if it's just on the phone, that they're just not with you anymore, and it's really a bad feeling for yeah for you as the person 
talking, but also the person listening, I mean, hopefully they feel some remorse too when they get caught. I don't know. They probably don't even realize that. <laughs> they don't. They're, they're still so, so distracted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know they're on the phone anymore. Um, that's, that's really good advice. And I think it's, it kind of tra- just tracks with what I've experienced talking to you and, and, and listening to your podcast, but in talking to you and interacting with you and stuff is that you are just really kind. I mean, that's just unsolicited feedback i guess that i can tell you just live genuinely in a kind way and so one of those things would be listening which is nice so thank you that's very nice yeah so as far as um the last questions they're called the fun five and it's just some questions that i like to ask every guest so the first one is what's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear I was I was thinking about this because I think there's a couple and I was trying to think which one was the oldest. So I'm going to go with when I was on campus at Miami, they had a uh, hug the lake. So there's a lake on the campus of Miami. We did oh. a hug the lake to help. I think it was just to be like, hey, we have a lake on our campus and like stop doing things that might threaten its removal. And so it was just like all the students on campus it wasn't every student but a lot of students we each just kind of you know locked locked arms held hands around this lake uh and got t-shirts for it so it's a big picture of a lake with its arms out like it's hugging you and it's in miami orange the lake is blue but like the shirt is like the bright miami (laughs) orange Uh, and it's i I guess it must have been that was my freshman year so it was 2006 so what is that 16 so it's old enough to drive yeah nice well that's cool they were you guys did that too so one thing, I mean, now it's a bit different, but this question could still apply to some people. Um, if every day was really Groundhog's Day, like the same, like the movie with Bill Murray, what song would you have your alarm clock play every morning? This is a, I, I was wondering if I wanted to base this on reality where I have, my current alarm is set to uh, K-Love, which is a Christian Austin-based radio station, which I have not changed the radio station in like 20 years on my alarm. So I when I lived in LA, I... I think i might have set it to k-day which is hip-hop and i just never changes from them but i actually really like waking up to caleb because it's either just very inspirational songs or the Mm -hmm. hosts are talking about something and they're super generous and nice with each other so it's just like a nice pleasant little conversation to wake up so maybe something like that i could just keep my my everyday life like i am living that but in the spirit of the question, I, I'll go with perhaps one of my favorite karaoke songs, which is Roses by Outkast, um, because oh. I'm assuming we're getting uh, different. And then this might be taking a leap, but I'm, the alarm would go off at different parts of the song. So it, actually, yeah. it probably would be the same part every day. But still, there's lots of different parts of the song. You've got the little piano intro, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. You've got the Caroline parts with the, the call and repeat. The chorus is very catchy as well. And then you've got uh, big boys rap section in there. So there's lots yeah. of different parts of the song where I enjoy it, where I'm like, okay, I could wake up to that. You're kind of waking mm-hmm. up and smelling the roses, even though they smell nice. like boo, boo, boo. <laughs> yes. And that's a good karaoke song, actually, because there's a variety and you could have someone who can't sing do part of it with yes. you and someone who can. Yeah. You just need a little rhythm yeah. for the the rap section. Yeah. And otherwise, otherwise half of it's just the audience repeating what you say. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Cool. Um, all right. Coffee or tea or neither? I think I might be both. I like to do yeah. coffee in the morning and then a caffeine-free tea in the afternoon with a little, a little honey in there, too. Smart. Yeah, that's good. 
I know. Um, some of us haven't learned to not have coffee in the afternoon yet, but oh, I'll still do it occasionally, and I regret it every time. Yeah, it's almost at like <laughs> yeah. after like eleven a.m. sometimes now, where I'm just like, I'm going to be up all night. But yeah, I'm going to drink it. this anyway because I feel like I need it now. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And then, can you think of something that just like cracks you up or makes you laugh so hard you cry when you think of it, or even a recent thing that just kind of had you doing that? I. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of things in life, but for something that people could also enjoy, perhaps. Uh, Nate Bargatze, uh, the stand-up comedian, he has mm-hmm. a, a bit where his friend... he Basically, he played a prank on his friend where he took a bite of his McDonald's cheeseburger and then like wrapped it back up and gave it to him. <laughs> and the his storytelling of his friend's reaction is hilarious and it i'm like laughing just like about it now but it, i don't want to spoil it because he tells it much better than i do but if you if you google nate bargatze mcdonald's okay. you'll you'll be able to see <laughs> awesome all right last one who inspires you right now can i say my mom is that a cheat <laughs> yeah no that's great yes she's yeah. i was recently home for i was telling you about my busy month of travel but mm-hmm. i just the amount of work that's currently being done on the home i of, of my my childhood home um and just how she's like keeping everything together and and still thriving and going through everything it was, it was very nice to see and i was like i'm glad you passed some of these genes along to me nice oh that's cool no and i think i don't know it's always nice for i'm very close to my mom and i think it's always nice to hear people say their mom yeah, yeah. probably spend more time with us than anyone else so yeah <laughs> For sure, at least for quite a lot bit of our lives. Um, so if people want to look you up or know more about you, where do you want them to go? Yeah, joeyheld.com has most of my shenanigans going on. I, I try not to overwhelm people with links, but you can get to the podcast. You can get to Chris Bounce Pass from that. I uh, also give a shout out. I am in a band, too. We're called Burning Years. So uh, available wherever you listen to music. Uh, and it is a great great little uh you know your favorite songs from high school i like to say like a nice pop punk slash rock no 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 it's it's original songs but it's in that that spirit so it'll take you back i think um and then on on twitter i'm at joseph currency and i love meeting people on there so come say hello some of your favorite gif we'll have a blast awesome well it was great to have you on joey i really appreciate you taking the time to to chat with me and um Good luck with the book, too. I'm looking forward to reading it. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun, and I wish you tepid regards now and in the future. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. You can learn more about the guest and what was talked about in the show notes. Joe Mafia created the music you're listening to. You can find him on Spotify at Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. Rob Metke does all the design, for which I am so grateful. You can find him online by searching Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Please leave a review if you like the show and get in touch if you have feedback or guest ideas. The pod is on all the social channels at, at More Than Work Pod or at Robbie Comedy on TikTok, and the website is morethanworkpod.com. While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.